Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to the Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community. And more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. I didn't really like myself that much, and I feel like that reflected in how I would treat other people. So I was treating myself poorly on the inside. And so I think for a lot of people who are like at the start of the journey, you have to know that it's messy. Like the stuff you figure out about yourself and then you have to be honest with yourself about can be like really dark. Today, I am excited to be talking with Bianca Osborne. I'm a huge lover of food. So this episode is especially exciting. Bianca is a chef, cooking expert, cooking show presenter, and host of the On My Plate podcast. A lot of people are like, I hate leftovers. And it's like understanding how leftovers can be different. Like you can take a chicken tomato soup and then turn it into like a Thai chicken stew by adding like coconut milk, ponzu sauce, soy sauce, like sprouts, cucumber. It's like a whole different meal. She is a sought-out expert for radio and TV, appearing on CBC Radio, Breakfast Television, and she appears regularly as a featured chef on The Marilyn Dennis Show. I feel like we have to normalize doing things and failing at them. You know, like not everything is going to be a banger. It can't. And I feel like one of the reasons I am deeply in gratitude about where I am in my life now is because I've had so many stop and starts. You know, or things that I just was like, please, please, please work. And it just like didn't. Born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, Bianca is now based out of Toronto, where she also teaches food, media studies and food business at Centennial College. Once you're able to admit fault, admit non-perfection, guilt and shame are less stingy. You're kind of just like, well, yeah, (laughs) it is what it is. Bianca's passion is mentoring women, helping them to find the same joy and clarity she found for herself. When you give, you receive. The more you give, and I just feel like the more you attract. It's like just circulation, energy. Welcome, Bianca. This is great. You know, Bianca, this is our first in-person of this whole thing? Podcast recording, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a first. You're the first. As you know, I'm a total lover of food. So how did you discover your passion for food? Is it something that you loved from the beginning? It's just always been a part of my life, and I have like good memories with food, and And then I also have some like fraught energy around food as well. Just from like diet culture, you know, like having allergies, having like a severe allergy at one point. Um, But getting into food, I sort of realized that I wanted to cook because my mom, when I was younger, she is much improved, was not a very good cook. Oh, I thought you were no. the opposite, that she was so great. No, 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 from no. Her. Um, my grandmas are amazing. Like, well, one of my grandmas, she's passed away, RIP. Um, but my grandmas are were excellent cooks. So they kind of brought up the rear for my mom there in that regard. Uh, and then I just remember this one, this one like pivotal moment. I think it was like 11 or 12. And my mom, no, I might have been older. I might have been like 13. And my mom made like something healthy and it was like, the driest chicken breast and like really shriveled green beans and I remember just being like these are shriveled I don't want to eat them and she was like fine cook for yourself and in my head I'm like okay I will will, (laughs) and I will do it better than you yeah I just love to eat Mm -hmm. I love I think food is beautiful too it's just like so photogenic so so many things that like inspired my journey into food like Nigella Lawson I loved all of her like early cooking shows. I still watch them. That's amazing. I I read, I think it was on one of your blog articles or on your Instagram that you really pull from your heritage. I try to. But I mean, what I like have learned from my grandmas mostly is like technique. Mm -hmm. Like my grandmas have been like layering flavors since I was little. And it's like one of the like most integral parts of like cooking, in my opinion. What are some of those, you know, 
little you, your grandma's cooking. You know what? There's this thing that like my grandma used to make and she's passed away. So I'm like so choked that I don't actually have the recipe for hers. But it's something called cuckoo. If anyone is from Barbados or anything and knows what I'm talking about, I'm not being ridiculous. I knew it as cuckoo. And it was just like cornmeal with like a broth she would make with like onions and tomatoes and sometimes there'd be fish in it. It was so good. Like so good. And she'd make that for me all the time. (laughs) You and I were talking this morning. I was uh, spamming your inbox about this coffee you were drinking. Oh yeah. And um, you are very open about your battle with eczema. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It's like completely healed now, but I am like one of those people that I just an ounce of prevention mm-hmm. is worth a pound of cure. Like once I, I don't ever want to go back to that because I literally have it. And I say have because I think you always have it because I notice when I'm like stressed or not eating well, I get like little flare ups. But I have it from like my chest to like my ankles pretty much. Wow. Like it's bad. And it only started happening like maybe two years ago, two years and a little. And it was like 18 months of just like the worst, worst, worst time. So now that it's healed, I feel like I have to tell people all the things that I did. For sure. So what foods do you prioritize to monitor the eczema? Mm. Because I know you encouraged this natural path, and that's what almost cured yours. So it was like a twofold thing for me. It was like a food allergy, but the food allergy, like there was a point where I was like eating so restrictive because I was allergic to something called salicylates. Mm -hmm. And... It's like they're in everything. Like everything you want to (laughs) eat, they're in. And so I was eating such a restricted diet and I was like, okay, this is going to help me heal. But then I would have like a tiny bit of salicylates and like I'd be itchy all over again. I'm like, this is not a way to live. Like Mm -hmm. this can't be it. And I actually had a client because I used to be a private chef before I like went fully into what I'm doing now. And her daughter had eczema and she sent me a message and she was like, have you ever like considered like upping your vitamin D and like looking into that? And that just sent me down a path of like discovery about like just deficiencies in general. And I had a lot of them. So fixing those ended up being what it was like the salicylate food allergy was just like the canary in the coal mine kind of vibe. But I've had to like really become like my own like medical doctor medical investigator because I mean no shade to the western medicine but like I was kind of dismissed Mm. there and just like sort of given the prescription for the cream and if you have eczema you know exactly what I'm talking about and it's just not like it doesn't fix anything it just like numbs the pain in the moment which sucks so I mean if anyone's listening you're trying to heal anything just like stay curious you kind of have to what kind of no, I'm like curious. Yeah. So what kind I mean just for our overall health yeah. as well because I'm sure even if you don't have it, I'm sure it would still like help yeah. you glow oh, sure. and you know feel really good inside. What exactly did you do? So I started taking like collagen every day. I take vitamin D. But look, I just want to say this for just your purpose. I'm not a doctor. I'm just like telling (laughs) you my story. Do not sue any one of us. This is just, (laughs) this is what I did. Um, So I started taking vitamin D. But also when you take vitamin D, you need magnesium because it requires that to uptake it. So if you don't have enough magnesium, you get deficient in that. So I take magnesium. I also take zinc, selenium. I try and find ways to get these things in food as well. But it happens that a lot of these like in food have salicylates. So at the beginning I was just supplementing. Now I'm like able to eat the food versions. And then I like gave up dairy, which was like so hard. And are you still off dairy? Yeah. I mean the occasional like Parmesan sprinkle. But yeah, wow. it's tough. It's tough. That's a tough one. And because I'm a, like, I recipe develop as a profession. So, like, there's just some things that have to have a dairy element. So, like, I just give it to my roommates or something. (laughs) So, what is your process when you're developing a new recipe? I actually feel like I lost out on, like, a job that I really wanted. This was, like, two and a half years ago. It was actually the best thing that happened to me. But I lost out on a job recipe developing for this big brand because they didn't like my process when I explained Mm. it to them. So generally, I just think of, like, the protein. So if it's, like, vegetarian, is it going to be beans? Is it going to be lentils? Is it going to be, like, tofu? 
because that changes the whole dynamic of like everything else I pair with it, especially vegetarian food. If it's going to be like chicken, it would be there's different directions I could go in. Like you can also go in similar directions with like chicken and beef, but you can also go in completely different directions. So I usually pick the protein first. Then I pick like a vegetable, a starch. Like I kind of just like build it up as like the elements. And then I always like end with spices and like herbs because those are the things that like bring it together and also change it up. You can have very similar ingredients, but a different sauce and a different herb. And it's like wildly different. I usually just ask a client, I'm like, what do you need? Do you need like chicken, beef? Like I get those details. And then if they give me free reign, then I just think of things with those things and them that are like different. And you said it was the best thing that happened to you that you didn't get the yeah. job. Do, yeah. Do tell. <laughs> um, so I've been doing what I've been doing. Like I graduated from culinary school in 2009 and I've just been like hustling mm-hmm. for years, like over a decade now at this stage. And I just like got to a point where I was like beat. I moved to Toronto to try and like chase my dream of like being on TV and I just didn't have any inroads yet. I'd only been here about a year and a half, but I was just like exhausted and I just like wanted a real job. I saw my friends having like jobs and like regular paychecks and I was like hustling from like all corners of the city, cooking for people and just tired (laughs) so I applied for this job I just like wanted the security of that job and I thought it was like adjacent it was like a recipe developer but like now when I look back it was like nine to five Monday to Friday downtown Toronto like no flexibility the girl who interviewed me who would have been my like direct boss was just like an energy I don't think I would have vibed with very well but when I didn't get it I was like devastated yeah I was like so sad I like I was at a like private chef client I went in their pantry and cried for like 30 minutes when I got the email but six months later I got like my first segment on the Marilyn Dennis show and that's sort of like where it all all of like the career I have now really like has like sprang from it's crazy how the universe is just like no honey yeah absolutely and I think we all have different coping mechanisms as well for rejection or not rejection yeah you know for well no it's rejection but I feel like we have to normalize doing things and failing at them yeah you know like not everything is going to be a banger it can't and I feel like one of the reasons I am feeling deeply in gratitude about where I am in my life now is because I've had so many stop and starts yeah you know or things that I just was like please 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 work and it just like didn't now I get why it didn't you mentor women and girls this is a really big part of your life yeah and you're open been about on your blog and your writing about transitioning into who you are now and how maybe in the past you would gossip yeah so what was that like okay so I come from a long line of gossips um (laughs) I love a spot of tea as I call it just because like I I love it I love gossip I do before my gossip was a little bit more Mm mean-spirited and I was saying things that I would never say to someone and that's like where it's like dicey but what really changed me was I got caught up in my own gossip scandal and where people were talking about me and it was just like one of the most hurtful experiences of my life Mm -hmm. and I just like vowed that if I'm gonna like say stuff about people I have to be committed that I will say it to their face yeah and that usually keeps my mouth pretty quiet (laughs) about things unless it's like someone very like trusted gossip is just like one of those things that I understand how fun it is but it actually it's not really good for like forward motion in life when you're talking about people yeah it's bad energy it is Uh, absolutely and you mentioned how it was maybe your struggle with yourself. Oh, of course. I just feel like all the things that you aren't to yourself, you are to other people. So if you aren't kind to yourself, you're probably unkind to other people. Um, if you talk, S-H-I-T, about <laughs> to yourself, like negative self-talk, it's likely that you do that about other people. And I just feel like how you treat others is a reflection of how you generally feel about yourself. And... I think that once you can give yourself compassion, you can start giving it to other people. Once you can appreciate yourself, you can appreciate other people. Like, I used to look at other people's lives and be like, I want that. And once I, like, appreciate what I had, it's like I started to draw more things into my life. It's a very interesting concept of just, like, energetics. Yeah. And what would you say to someone from your own journey who might be suffering from these 
feelings that and then in turn holding themselves back you know like how did how can they overcome that as well because it's really hard to open up the way you have and talk and own this and share publicly that you were once you know terrible no no (laughs) oh no I say that all the time I was like not great and people say no you were always like fun and funny it's like yeah but like I didn't really like myself that much and I feel like that reflected in how I would treat other people so I was treating myself poorly on the inside and so I think for a lot of people who are like at the start of the journey you have to know that it's messy like the stuff you figure out about yourself and then you have to be honest with yourself about can be like really dark you know or even having to like sort of drudge up some inner child past stuff like things that may have happened to you that you may have done that you carry shame like there's just so many things and grieving like I didn't grieve the like death of my grandmother for years and that was like a real holder a backer of life and so I just think that once you start to work on yourself the other things start to fall into place like one of the things that I also recognize about like my gossip scandal is that happened like right before I moved to Toronto and it was like at a time where I was like changing a lot and now I look back and I remember at the time I was like oh my god this is the worst thing that's happened to me these are all my friends these are people I cared about I thought they cared about me I'm moving to Toronto with no support blah 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 but now looking back I realize it was like me becoming a different person from them and that challenges people where they are too which reflects on how they treated me um but also it was like the universe being like I'm not going to give you any reason to have one foot in Edmonton where I'm from and one foot in Toronto like you're gonna like you're going you'll have nothing to keep you there because there were times where I tried to like change my mind but that happened and it like made it so I hadn't I had no reason to stay so I think that you have to know that like when you're making these transformations and like working on yourself you're gonna lose relationships you're might be called to move to another city you know like there's just so many things about it that people when they talk about manifestation it's all this like love and light oh my god you're gonna rise and it's gonna be crystals and just like okay no it's gonna be dark I loved how you approach this actually so tell us what is your approach to manifestation so I think you just have to become the person that gets to live that life that's like manifestation 101 like the people who manifest like things really easily and like just draw and attract things to them they have an energy about them some people are born with it I like so like I don't wear green very well but I'm jealous of that (laughs) because I (laughs) have had to work on it but I just think that like you know all of the things because like the life I live is like 100% manifested like talk like down to like the letter almost but I just think that it all started happening for me when I was like comfortable being like the expression of myself not something someone else wanted me to be not not wanting to be liked or just it was just Bianca like New Year's like 2018 I just decided I was gonna like just be myself you know yep and like live my life Mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens because I just didn't really have any like direction I was just like private chefing but like to what end I kind of just was like I'm gonna be just like the best Bianca and work on that and then like all the things just start falling into place they do but again not in the sense that like one day like the heavens open and it's just all easy but in the sense that like now when something doesn't work out I used to like be a person that would like spiral for days it's like anything happened and now it's like okay like I have the strength of like belief in myself that whatever happens I can take care of it before I just didn't have any belief in myself and you can't manifest from a place of like feeling like you lack so I want yeah you know you talk about your steps toward transformation doesn't need to crack your life no these can be small steps yeah well I feel like everyone thinks they need to like eat pray love it and like move (laughs) across the world and do that like that works for some people but in some cases it might just be like simple like behavioral shifts it can be just a matter of like making the promise to yourself that if you make a promise to yourself you're gonna keep it that was like one of the first things that I decided to do for me a lot of the path to this was finding out who I was keeping promises to myself because when I start started to like show up for myself and I know that's like used so much in like online marketing like show up show up but like showing up for yourself is again just being like if you say to yourself I'm gonna start meditating every morning you actually do it 
Because yep. it's like when you say that and then you don't, you're not breaking a promise to anyone but yourself. But that's like the worst. You got to be your like own best friend, your own number one hype person. And I mean, I know that sounds like really simplistic and it's not. <laughs> but like because I've done like therapy. I've gotten a life coach. Like I've done like programs, like all kinds of things. Every self-help book I've read, like podcasts, like the whole nine all because I thought that I needed like fixing in some way and like I think what some people need to remember is you can take all that in and I think it's important to get some of those like feedback loops going for yourself but confidence self-love all of that it's a state of being not doing you know I think a lot of times we get caught up trying to be better so we're trying to do all these things but it's like just just like live and be yourself. You can't let, you know, your daddy issues define you or your mommy issues define your life because it's your life, not theirs. So, I mean. So I'm just thinking of someone right now who is going through a lot and trying things, therapy, mm -hmm. different types of conversations. It does take the work which you talk about. Can you elaborate more on what you're saying to, to really resonate with someone who might be kind of at like their tipping point I mean I'm totally putting you on no the no spot. no no I've had a tipping point too there was like so I had a business in Edmonton I have like a whole other life there I had was a caterer I owned like a catering company with a friend and then I started my own business called the vitality kitchen it was like brick and mortar it would, like defined me everywhere I was known as like Vita vitality Bianca like it was like my identity and then like it went from being my dream to being like my literal nightmare. And so I gave it up, but I had like no identity after that. It was like the year of 2016, the year before I moved here. So I've had like a tipping point moment where I literally was like, I was like thinking about like, what would the world be without Bianca? Like if I just like didn't exist anymore. And like then my mom sent me a text message, <laughs> which is like she knew that I like needed that. And so I think that it can get really low for a lot of people and I get that. Like I think a lot of people think when you talk and you say like use manifestation and become a better person and like I know what it's like to struggle a lot and like it still obviously chokes me up because it is still really close and I also just feel like some of the advice I got was just you know pull up your bootstraps and like yeah. that and that's not fair because I think when you're like in a tough place someone saying just get over it is like awful but I think there's an element of that I wish that I had realized that like I know I have what it takes to like get through it you know because I think part of the reason that I felt so low is I just I wanted someone to save me <laughs> and like then I just realized that like it was up to me to save myself and like it's crazy and that's why like I Honestly, like, I just talk to people like this. Like, if someone's having, like, a dark moment, I'm like, yeah, it sucks. And you have to acknowledge that. But also, it's like, you have whatever it takes to overcome it. And that goes for a lot of, like, sad stuff. Because, like, life deals some, like, pretty dark hands. You know? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? We all know. Thank you, honestly. Um, on your website, mm -hmm. you have created seven questions to realize your dreams and and I really love your approach to manifestation because it's not always about the yoga or the crystals and the and the meditation you say you have to do the work people say you have to do the work but what the f is the work what is the work so yes. I really like your approach to this these are just questions that were like the big questions that came up as I was sort of like going through like my own journey because starting the Vitality Kitchen, I only did that because I didn't have any self-confidence or self-worth. So I derived it from how people responded to things that I did. I thought I was always having to like be accomplished to be like valuable. And so someone said to me, oh my gosh, you should start like a catering company doing healthy food. And I was like, yes, I will do that. And it just, and it like for a, a while there like I actually believed that that's what I wanted to do and then it just like hit me like a ton of bricks <laughs> that it was like not what I wanted to do I had wanted to move back to Toronto for years years and years but so many people are like that's a bad idea don't go to Toronto you know stay here you can be like a big fish in a small pond and like all of that and so I just built I kept building things there 
to make maybe make myself feel like it was right at some point. I don't know. If I would have just like had some self-confidence, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have made that decision. When I sort of just like, look back to a lot of my journals, a lot of the questions that I was re- working out and resolving in that like free writing were answering those questions. So you do a lot of work on television. You're I on do. the Marilyn Dennis show. Congratulations. Thank you. She's amazing. And yeah. you also have your own show that's yes. um, coming out in early winter 2021. Right. Very exciting. Uh, Is that combination? Combination plates. It's a show about fusion, but like really good fusion cooking because you know how sometimes that goes pear-shaped. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's like what I have going for TV. I'm also starting a podcast as well. Um, It's called On My Plate. And it's just looking at people's lives and life story through the lens of food because, I mean, what we ate 10 years ago and what we eat now says a lot about our lives at the time. You are a big player in the media space. I wouldn't say big player. Well, you create a lot and you also educate women. And from what I understand, you are vocal about paying it forward to the Indigenous community. And uh, yeah, I, I just feel like with all the stuff that happened in 2020 with like BLM, it was amazing. But what I didn't want to see happen especially as a woman of color is to see our indigenous like brothers and sisters get left behind in that conversation because I think some of the things that we see that are like oh my god like the visuals that you see from the states that is mirrored very closely here and within you know the black community but also very much so almost to a greater degree and almost more accepted degree in the indigenous community and like there's just so many things we can draw upon and like I feel like I've been doing a lot of work to educate myself on not just like because I know for myself one of the things that I've grown tired of is like when we talk about like black history it's always about slavery like there's other history that's black and so what I've been trying to do is like yes I know about residential schools I know about all the dark stuff because I've made myself aware of it but now I'm just trying to find some of the stuff that's just like indigenous music you know indigenous television shows artists writers like all kinds of things designers because I think that is true celebration yes as Canada we need to atone for all that past BS because it's a lot but I think that we also need to celebrate it it's Canada's true first culture you know and I think that you know it's important that we educate ourselves and until the school system is going to do it the right way then it's up to us to do it for ourselves so Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be a part of that yeah, absolutely. And as a black woman, how do you find living in the space where you are now on television and working with other people? How are you finding that experience, especially with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement? Honestly, so my upbringing was amongst a lot of like white people. My mom is married my stepdad and I was like, eight and he's white so I've grown up with like white siblings white family members you know like a white man like being like my dad essentially and to this day still like my dad figure and so I've never felt like um like uncomfortable in the space of like people asking like really like off color questions sometimes, Mm -hmm. but not out of spite or menace, but just out of like sheer and utter ignorance. And it's like, I, because I'm not, it doesn't, because I am comfortable in that space. I don't have a problem being someone that people ask questions to. I don't. And I know that there are a lot of people in the black community who are like tired of the questions. And so, you know, If I can make myself available for that, of course I would, especially to people who I know and who are in my circle and in like my family, of course. But what changed for me is that because, you know, as a black person, you're aware of like all the stuff that happens and like, you know, it's like a mini like, oh, we're outraged and then nothing. Oh, we're outraged and then nothing. So what I just found refreshing was that this time it took. You know, it was something that was actually like a true movement and seeing like people, not just black people, like all people engaged in it was like a signal of it being different this time absolutely I want to ask you about cyberbullying because because you're someone who talks openly about gossip and bullying and you know you're an advocate for um, inclusivity yeah I mean I've not experienced a lot of cyberbullying and the thing is I feel like the 
the like biggest f you to someone who's trying to get a rise out of you by saying something out of pocket or from left that's just like meant to intentionally hurt you the best thing you can do is turn your back to them they're like dust they're nothing they don't exist that's how i choose to approach people that being said um I've always had a really good vocabulary, so if I need to read someone for filth, I'll do it. <laughs> but, I mean, I try not to because it's not, it's not something I want to do. I'd rather ignore someone. But some people do need to be put in their place, and I won't hesitate to do that sometimes. Right. And what would your advice be to other black women wanting to break out into media? That's a tough question. I don't even know. I, I, that's a hard one to answer because I came to it so... Uh, Organically. Organically. Like, I didn't go to media school. I didn't do any of that. Like, when I say I manifested it down to the letter, I had a vision board on my fridge in Edmonton that had the Marilyn Dennis show studio. It had the logo all over the fridge. It was, like, her and then, like, an, like, expert, but I put my face on the expert. So that was on the fridge. There were, like, neighborhoods in Toronto where I'd been, and I would, like, take pictures and put them. And so, like, I literally live in a neighborhood, like, those pictures I took, and I'm, like, on the Marilyn Dennis show. So, like, I don't know how to give someone an answer to that just because how it happened for me sometimes is, like, still, like, whoa. How can we improve our confidence? Because this sounds a lot like just have confidence in your offering. Just have confidence in yourself. I honestly think the one thing that I could give advice is, like I said it before, be yourself, but be, you know, the best version of yourself, like rise to your best self if that needs to happen first. Because I think when I'm on TV and stuff, I'm like 100% myself. When I met, like, because I, how I got an audition was I met a friend of a producer and we all hung out and the producer was like, oh my God, I love you. It was like very that. And, but I was being myself. I was just being like who I was and like talking. And she was like, you should be on TV. I'm like, I would love to be on TV. And I also think that you have to be like willing to take the universal nudge that maybe it's something else too. Because I know for myself, like there were a lot of things that I just tried to force so hard that if I had just like pulled up on the gas a bit, you just have to ask yourself because like I think rising in any career requires that at certain points you ask yourself, is this it? And when do you think that right time to ask yourself, do I make a change? I think if you wake up most mornings, like, ugh. Yeah. Honestly, like, I think that was, like, the biggest change when I knew the Vitality Kitchen wasn't in anymore was I started to wake up and feel weepy. Right. (laughs) And, like, I had, like, morning after morning after morning, and, like, I finally was just, like, I shouldn't, like, want to cry every day truly it's like it's such a trip when you like start and that's what I mean about like it's tough sometimes when you start to really like wake up to like your true core self like who you are as a person outside of the influences of other people it can be hard making those shifts it can be like literally like life-changing earth-shattering you know identity shaking which is what that was for me big time One thing that I'm so guilty of and I've had to really like get better at because it just was like making me unhealthy is every time I would pursue a hobby, I would turn it into work. So like if I took like a pottery class, I'd be like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to do this pottery and I'll make stuff and I'll photograph food on it, you know? Or if I was like, I want to take a painting class, I'm like, oh my God, I'll paint it and then I'll do these like cool painted things and I'll like do these cool Instagram videos. And it's just like, if you want to start any pursuit, whether you have a full-time job now and you want to like do a side hustle or you want to go full force into something like of your own, you have to remember, and I know this sounds so trite, but it's true. You have to like keep some time even if it's like a sliver just for yourself has nothing to do with work because it will consume you and it will make you sick it will what about those who dream of this beautiful career maybe you know in front of the camera or not but don't want the Instagram presence and find it exhausting I get that they're like I get that put your big girl pants on well you know what honestly you should still be on there but like I suffer from that like I think of that too all the time because like I know I could have a way bigger following but I don't want to do a video every day I don't want to post three times a day like I just don't want to come up with like that a clever caption three times a day that's just insane so I don't think you need to subscribe to that again do things your way like do it 
your way. You can still start a business, a brand, or you can outsource it if you have that kind of cash. You know, like, there's ways around it. But Instagram isn't the be-all, end-all. It just isn't. You're also an educator. Yes. You have courses in food media studies. Yes. So what is food media? So I teach at a college in Toronto. um, And so food media, we just talk about, like, the food medias you can do. So YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We talk about, you know, print. We talk about television. What I really teach them is just, like, how to start strong, which is, and what I think we need to all get out of is like numbers, vanity metrics, just vanity, period. Like how things look as opposed to how things are. There's so many people who have Instagrams that have so many followers, but I know, because I know them, they're fake. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's just like, but then there's people who have less followers who are doing so well. So what I think is like, know who you are before you get on the gram. Um, Share things like either be super aesthetically pleasing or share captions that really reach people. Those are like the two things I think. And if you can do both, oh my God, see ya. (laughs) But I think that food media, like I just try and empower them with also like ethics. You don't steal people's pictures. If you're trying to build a brand, you try and keep it brand, other brand attractive, like that kind of thing. And then also just the power of social media and just media. Because I think that some people, when they think of social media, they think that other media is dead. Like print has struggled, but print has moved online and there's still so much, you know, air quotes, print type things like writing that still happens. And also TV is still so powerful as a medium. I love TV. Yeah, me too. That's one of my favorites. That is so cool that you teach a classroom of students. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, is there anything that you've learned from them? And I was just, like, inspired by the fact that, like, you know, they're all learning from home and we're not traveling because we're supposed to go on a trip and everything. They're still willing to, like, sign up and show up for themselves and believe that they can still have these careers as gastronomists, which is essentially, like, food tourism, um, despite the circumstance. I feel like that's a manifestation of itself, believing something that's like not obvious based on what's around you. Mm-hmm. And how fun you talk about manifestation and you're surrounded by dreamers. I know. It's amazing. Circling back to the topic of cooking, mm-hmm. why is it so damn hard for people to meal prep? I think it's hard because when people meal prep, they're so linear about it. You know, like you think, okay, I'm making this meal and this meal and this meal I always tell people to make things so have a protein have a bunch of vegetables made you know potatoes if you really love potatoes potatoes two ways have some pasta made some rice everything can be made ahead for the most part you can like grill your meats to Mm -hmm. order and then that way like I said you can just change it up with an herb or a different combination or a sauce heating it up versus eating it raw like I think meal prep is just like fundamentally you have to know how to cook to a degree that you know your way around the kitchen and you understand like basic cooking technique. But I think to go to the next level, then you have to start understanding how you can make things taste good. Because I think when you cook something and it sucks, then you're kind of like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You like question it and you're like, I wasted this. I could have just ordered and et cetera. And it's like a spiral. But I think if you start to understand how to like flavor things, that's when people start to have like enjoyment. A lot of people are like, oh, I get bored and I like, I hate leftovers. And it's like understanding how leftovers can be different. Like you can take a soup and add, you know, so like I made, did this on the Marilyn Dennis show. It was like a chicken tomato soup. Very easy, but very delicious. Focused on techniques, so like building flavor. And then turned it into like a Thai chicken stew by adding like coconut milk, peanuts, you know, ponzu sauce, soy sauce, like sprouts, cucumber. It's like a whole different meal, but it's like you already did the bulk of the work. The other stuff is just like literally 30 seconds you added in. So that's like what it comes down to is just like understanding again, not everything's going to be a success. Oh, I know. (laughs) I want to ask you, as we go into the new year and we've, you know, been in our homes, what can we be eating to make ourselves feel beautiful on the inside and outside how can we achieve that glow from upping up the vitamin d maybe upping up the collagen honestly i say this all the time i should be sponsored by vitamin d 
the amount of people that I tell to, because if anyone's like, oh, my skin itches, oh, I'm not feeling so good, my digestion, I'm like, are you taking enough vitamin D? So vitamin D, whether you get one of those super cool vitamin D like lights that helps your body make vitamin D, you know, those like uh, sad lamps and such, that is like you just shine them on you and it makes you make vitamin D. You can also supplement with it. Bone broth. Having good gut health is important for everything, like eczema, which is something I have. And so gut health, bone broth, collagen, pre and probiotic food. So like thing is, is everyone's always talking about probiotics, but they need food too. So you got to have like prebiotics, which are things like leeks and onions and stuff, garlic, because those are like probiotics food. So things like that, like I love leek and potato soup made with like bone broth. That's like dubs whammy. Um... I also think that just like, you know, sleeping, thinking good thoughts, I really like mindset played a huge part in like my healing too. And just, you know, doing all of the things that I do, which at one point when I was like really floundering there was costly, it felt like feeling healthy and like sleeping and having mindset and all of these things like you ultimately only impact yourself positively when you do that. And I think with you know the c word covid and like all of the things that we have to be afraid of they all sort of boil down to like inflammation mm-hmm. should women and men approach this differently i think everyone individually should approach it differently of course so like for me okay so when i was really bad with my eczema i was going to like various like nutritional outposts like please help me help me and they'd say you know eat lots of coconut and anti-inflammatory foods turmeric and all these things so i was eating so much of that and like getting worse and it was like what is happening and then i figured out i was allergic to salicylates and Coconut is, like, very high in salicylates. Turmeric, extremely high. Cinnamon, all the things I was being told to eat. And so health and wellness is such an individual thing. Like, healthy food can be hurting you. It was hurting me at one point. So I think it's important to, like, listen to how your body is, like, talking to you as opposed to what other people are telling you about your body. Everyone's health journey is their own, and being healthy is, like, sort of, like, for you is different but I think universally having like you know good nutrient and vitamin balance and like eating you know whole supportive foods is just a good thing I'm so curious how did you find out what you were allergic to and and what steps did you take so the type of eczema I have because there's so many different kinds is one that also mimics an allergic reaction and a like manifestation of a really bad gut bacteria that happens and it happens to spring up this rash on your body it's called uh, lichen planus and so I went to my doctor and I was like oh, so hoping to have this like terrible gut bacteria because at least it would have been a direction so I had to call my doctor he said I didn't have it and I was just like I was so upset like I was so upset for like days so I was like I'm back at square one and then I read somewhere that you just like with healing you have to first just like accept what you're trying to heal and have so I had this like huge ritual like candles palo santo like the whole nine a mirror I looked at my body and I just was like forgave the eczema I was just like I guess this is like my life now and like I have to like live with you and like become friends with you (laughs) I named her Cynthia (laughs) I was like Cynthia um and and my inner child, uh, inner demon is Yvonne, just to give you the names. Um, Cynthia and now Yvonne. Now I understand the, the, all the plant naming. <laughs> yes. And so I did this whole thing, and I was like, Cynthia, we are one, like the whole yeah. thing. And I was like, I guess this is just my life. I have to learn to love my body this way and just manage the itch and manage the like discomfort. And then it was like a week later, my mom had gone to her reflexologist and the reflexologist by looking at her feet was like, wow, you're stressed. My mom's like, yeah, my daughter is struggling with this and told her about it and said the name. And she was like, oh, she's like, I've actually treated people with this. It's called, it's a salicylate allergy. She should start supplementing with these things and she should start, you know, avoiding salicylates. And that was like the first step. So I honestly believe I manifested the path. I have like an eczema group where I just share some of the stuff that I have done and do and like recipes and things. And I wrote in there, you know, mindset. And we like I talk about mindset in here. And someone was like, it's really hard when you have it all over your body. Like you don't understand. I'm like, babe, I understand. 
I definitely understand. But I also think that like to just assume that your mind doesn't have the power that it has is so well it's gonna not help you realize the best life that's for sure like once you realize the power of your mind to really like positively or negatively impact I think you really hold the key to whether it's like a sweet life or like not so sweet it's so perfectly time with the new year coming yeah to learn these tools and easy ways to yeah. just add it into your life so I guess to end our chat, okay. who who are some of the women that you look up to? Well, I look up to my mom. My mom had me when she was very young. God love my dad, but he was not that great at dadding at that time. And so there was a lot left to my mom. And she did it all on her own and, you know, went back to school. My mom's just been, like, a really big inspiration because she's also, like, a black woman executive, like, very high up in her field. So that, my grandma, my grandparents, just because, like, they came here with, like, zero. Like, my grandma slept in subway stations when she first got here because she had nowhere to live. And so, like, I mean, that's just, like, huge sacrifice so that I can live the like very like you know glam life and then just like Marilyn Dennis I know it's I say her name all the time but truly I've been watching her since I was young and I like love her Oprah Winfrey was like the like I remember being little and like so I remember Oprah telling the story of someone saying oh you're gonna be a maid and she was like nuh-uh I'm not gonna be a maid and they're kind of like you're gonna be a maid and she was just like no and she always knew and so one time I was like driving with my mom And I think I was like 14 and she was like, when you get a job, you'll see. And I'm like, I'm not going to have a job like you. (laughs) I just like knew it. And she's like, you'll see. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, I'm just like not. And I remember when I said that to my mom, thinking of that like Oprah story that I had heard. And Oprah was just like one of the only like black people that was herself and who was like famous for being herself. You know, she wasn't an actress. She wasn't a singer. She was just like Oprah. And I, like, love that. Oprah's, like, it. You know, like, how there's, like, so many celebs caught up in scandals now? If there was an Oprah scandal, I just don't know how I how I would take it. I think I'd be that person that was just, like, show me proof. Show me the proof. Show me the receipts. I think that would be me. But that's really beautiful. So you had said something earlier about, you know, really having gratitude. And and it reminds me, you know, hashtag grateful. And you had commented (laughs) in your own way, like, I not. It's not like that. But it's true because you, um, just from hearing you talk about your grandparents and that seeing that struggle. And, you know, and also... It's clear that everything that you've manifested comes from this child yeah. dream. Oh, totally. Um, which is amazing. Is there anything that you'd like to say to all the dreamers listening? I'll say this. Being a dreamer can be really hard sometimes. There were, there have been moments, because I have some friends who are, like, their dream was to be, like, wives and mothers. And so, like, and that's a beautiful dream to have. And I have, there were, like, times in my life where I'm like, I wish that was what I dreamed of and didn't dream of, like, this huge big thing because it felt easier. So if you have big dreams, you have to know. There's moments of wishing that, like, a smaller dream was enough. I mean, I've had those moments. And also, too, like, you can have multiple dreams. Dreams can morph and, like, change. I think, for me, one of the toughest things about, like, the Vitality Kitchen and ending it was, like, for me, it was, like, this is my dream. This was always my dream. And, I like, I held on to that. But it's also, like, you can have more than one dream. And you can, like, do a dream, realize it for yourself, whatever realization looks like, and then chase another one I think it's just being open I think sometimes when you have big dreams you fixate on it so hard because it's like that's it you don't want to lose sight of it you don't ever want to like lose the drive for it you just have to have some openness too because it's like having big dreams and goals can be really rigid sometimes and sometimes you just have to like ease up on the gas (laughs) a bit so to end our chat okay you talk about wanting to pay it forward and how you're paying it forward so you know what are you doing to pay it forward and how can people get involved I do a lot of just like quiet things like I I don't know and like I don't ever want to stop people from doing a good thing but I bristle a little bit when people do good things but they have to like broadcast it I just don't love that so um 
one of the things is I like do Ontario feed Ontario food boxes. I do those pretty frequently um, every year. Like so I buy a new winter jacket every year. And then I just give my winter jacket to the shelter in Toronto. Um, and for Christmas, my parents are always like, don't buy us stuff, don't buy us stuff. So what I do is I just spe- take what I would buy them, the amount, and then I just buy, like, care packages and take to, like, a woman's shelter. So I try and do stuff like that because that's just, like, right here, right now. I think paying it forward in that way. And I just, like, know what it's like to be so broke and, like, not be able to afford food. So I try and, like, keep it in the food space for the most part if I can. There's nothing scarier than, like, not knowing where you're going to sleep and not knowing what you're going to eat. And I think for Christmas, I just, like, want to give, like, like, I saw someone that you can sponsor a family, which I thought would be pretty dope to do. So, something. But I just think, like, for me, it's, like, quiet giving. I know I don't really talk about it because I just it doesn't feel right for me. Like, people can do whatever they want. But those are the ways that I pay it forward. I think that's – I'm so happy I asked because, yeah. <laughs> you know, your whole philosophy is finding approachable ways to integrate these – small acts on a um, on a frequent schedule into your life so it's actually accessible and also like if you give if you only have two bucks give two bucks I honestly believe in the last thing I'm gonna say the law of circulation when you give you receive like the more you give and I just feel like the more you attract it's like just circulation energy give and receive you hear that all the time and so even if you don't have a lot you can also give of your time Time is a commodity that is finite, so you could argue that it's even more of, like, a heart-centered place and, like, and more giving because it's, like, really giving of yourself. And so don't think it's, like, if I don't have any money, if you got time, give some of that. Not to sound weird, but I hope the people who were gossiping about you (laughs) are you know, feel really bad about it now and are proud of everything that you're doing. Well, we're actually, we've mended, mended fences, most people. Good. Why yeah. would we be mad about, like, such trivial stuff? And, like, I feel so good about my life, where I am, my relationships. I don't want any clouds. Yeah. Forgiveness was for me in that instance. And honestly, I was a part of that gossip, and I didn't like it until it was about me. And so I have to recognize where I was at the time was where they were at the time, too. It just the tables had turned. And so people can change. We've all changed and, like, morphed into different people. And But before I knew that, I was like, I have to forgive them because my life is sweet. Amazing. I'm so happy that we've connected, and I hope everyone listening can apply these tools to their lives because it's magical yay and thank you for listening to the millie podcast i hope you enjoyed this motivating and meaningful conversation with bianca osborne if you enjoyed listening to this podcast please hit subscribe share with your friends and visit us at millie.ca 